0: Welcome to the Critical Pediatric Resuscitation Podcast. My name is Tori Weatherford, and I'm an ER physician
1: and a pediatric ER physician in Orlando, Florida. And my name is Kelly Bora, and I'm a pediatric intensivist in Austin, Texas. In this podcast, we will be talking
0: about the approach to the initial ED based resuscitation and management of the critically ill pediatric patient. So, today we're going to talk about status epilepticus. This is something that we see pretty frequently actually for kids both who are known to have epilepsy and also I've seen it with kids who are having febrile seizures who present in status. I think most of us have an algorithm we kind of use and know you know exactly what steps we're going to do and having that in your mind makes these cases flow a lot more easy. You know which meds you're going to use next and everybody has more of a sense of calm with that. So We're going to talk about like, how do you recognize status? I think everybody knows when a kid has had a tonic clonic seizure, like nobody's missing that. But I think there's some kids, especially neonates or kids who are having maybe not those obvious jerking movements that can be a little bit more hard to pick up. So what are some of your tips, Dr. Bora, for recognizing these more subtle presentations of status?
1: So the more subtle presentations that I like to identify in infants are more of the lip smacking. There's a lot of eye deviation. There's a lot of repetitive hand movements. But a lot of a lot of infants do present as tonic-clonic seizures, especially with upper extremity um, jerking. But a lot of it can be pretty subtle with the things that I just mentioned. Yeah,
0: I always try to check, you know, their heart rate and blood pressure. Certainly, if they're postictal, those can both still be elevated. If the child kind of had a a normal heart rate that's all of a sudden jumps thirty points. And their blood pressure is up, you know, it's always a good idea to go check their eyes, see if they're deviated, check their tone. Um, I think tone's a really good thing. You can see, and you sometimes you have to do it a few times. You kind of pick up their arm, you try to move it, you'll notice they're a lot more stiff than you thought. And all of those can kind of be helpful in
1: making that diagnosis. Yeah, definitely agree with that. As, along with checking for eye deviation, you can also check for pupillary dilation during an actual seizure event.
0: Once you kind of think this person's having, you know, their first seizure, um, the initial dosing or initial medications um, that most of us use are Ativan. Our EMS system uses Versed. And there is some evidence, you know, for adults that Versed may be better in first-line treatment, but I know the comfort level with
1: Ativan seems to be there. Do you have a preference? So we still use Ativan as first-line dosing. Guidelines are for Benzo, but Ativan is normally our first choice even though between Ativan and Versed, Versed is faster acting and Ativan is longer acting. So it doesn't really matter. However, as long as we're using a benzo as first line, that's what really matters in pediatrics, especially since both of their dosings are the same at 0.1 milligrams per kilo.
0: Yeah, there's some, I will say there's some things that'll tell you to start your first dose at Ativan at 0.05, um, I usually start at point one and then do point one instead of the point zero five and point one because often by the time they've come to the ER, if they're still seizing, either EMS is giving them something and it didn't work, or this has been a prolonged seizure and I would rather give them that higher dose rather than trying to do something that's small and may not break the seizure because that's the whole point, right? We the longer the seizure goes on, the harder it can be to stop it. So I would rather go big initially.
1: Yes, I definitely agree with that. I think a point one per kilo dosing should always be the starting dose for a patient that's having a seizure because of all the things you said.
0: So for us, our Ativan is actually locked up. So I will have them pull two doses initially. I like to go ahead and say, okay, we're going to give 0.1 per kilo. And then I'm going to have that second dose ready, right? Because that's what we're going to do. Number one, number two is benzo benzo. And I don't want there to be a delay. How long do you wait after giving that first dose of Ativan before you'll give that second dose?
1: So in a patient that doesn't have epilepsy, I will wait three to five minutes before giving a second dose of Ativan because in most kids, one dose of 0.1 milligrams per kilo of Ativan will stop the seizure, if not slow it down within the first two minutes. So If at the three to five minute mark, you think that the seizure is still continuing at full force, I would go ahead and give that second dose at the three minute mark. If you think it's slowing down and almost resolved, maybe wait it out till the five minute mark to give the second dose. But you should definitely start thinking about getting your other medications in line from pharmacy if you think that you're going to need some other agents to help break the seizure. And it's important to note, you can give
0: this Ativan IM as well. So um, when the child initially presents, if you're having trouble getting an IV, go ahead and just give the first dose IM. That gives you through those three minutes to work on obtaining an IV or an IO for that next dose.
1: Yes. And what I was going to say earlier is that a 0.1 milligram per kilogram dose of Ativan is not enough Ativan to give... A pediatric patient, any kind of respiratory depression. Um, It's definitely a cumulative situation when it comes to how much benzo they get to when you get respiratory depression, but that's why I would always start with a 0.1 milligram per kilogram because one dose or even two doses is unlikely going to cause major respiratory depression in these patients.
0: And that being said, you know, we're lucky most of the time when they come through EMS, they've got an honorary breather on. I just keep that going. Um, I give that first dose of Ativan if they don't have any respiratory support. Certainly, we're getting them on oxygen. We're getting stuff at the bedside, you know, should we end up needing to intubate. But you're going to have a little bit of time there. This is not something that, oh, my God, we can't give the Ativan until we have the intubation supplies because they're going to tank.
1: Absolutely. And you can always bag them through a hypotonic event or an apneic event as well. Um so my personal
0: strategy is so again I pull that two two doses of Adivan initially and when I'm calling for the second dose of Adivan, I'm loading this kid um you know because it takes time to get the medications to get it drawn up to get it in the bag to get it the pump set up so I go ahead and order it as I'm calling for the second dose of Adivan. my general go to is Kepra. Um, I like it it's a low side effect you know a lot it's very well tolerated it's easy. Um, and then, you know, we use that in adults and everybody feels a little, you know, a little bit more comfortable because you see it a lot used in your uh, adult patients as well. Now, initially, you know, when I first started, we were doing 20 mgs per kg of Kepra. Now, there's been some papers lately that have been using higher doses of Kepra. And so we actually at our institution go up to 60 mgs per kg, but most of the higher dose papers are actually more at like 40 to 50. What do you guys do?
1: So in our Institution and where I did fellowship, we would normally load with a Kepra dose of 30 to 40 milligrams per kilogram, but I normally just stick to the 40 milligrams per kilogram because it's easy to remember.
0: Now, if you're getting to the point you've given a couple doses of uh, your benzo and now you've loaded with Kepra, you have to start thinking what is your second choice um, going to be. And for me, that's phosphenatoin. Certainly, you could start with phosphenatoin first and then do Kepra. That's just you know, that's just how my personal strategy is. But with phosphenatoin, you know, it is 20 mg per kg, you know, if they've not been on it. I think if you have somebody you're not sure if they're therapeutic, there's some issues if you do load them at a high dose, you know, could they get super therapeutic and then you're dealing with them being ataxic and, and some side effects
1: there. But that's my, that
0: tends to be my second line agent.
1: I agree with that. I think that phosphenatoid is a great choice. Over phenytoin specifically because I think it's easier, it's more easily tolerated as it's going through the IV because it burns less because the fos on the phenytoin allows it to become more water soluble and so it burns the patient less. The um, major side effects for both fosphenytoin and phenytoin are of course, respiratory depression, because you are trying to calm the neurologic system. So along with that, you calm the respiratory drive as well. So you will definitely get some hypopnea and some apneas with that. And in that case, again, you can just bag them through it, through the event until you have a more stable airway or until they are able to recover their airway on their own.
0: And those can be worse, right? If you push that say that the medication gets pushed instead of given over 20 minutes, that certainly can exacerbate those unfortunate side effects. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Now what about valproic acid? Valproic acid is not really commonly used in pediatric patients to in status epilepticus. So I don't really have much experience in giving valproic because usually if you are doing benzo and then another benzo in three to five minutes and then you're doing Kepra and or phosphonytoin you're definitely defining status epilepticus and that way they likely will need a benzo drip to stop their to stop their seizures so at that point you can just start ordering the drip and calling the ICU
0: over giving the benzo, the benzo, and you're giving your second dose, um, of loading medication. That's my, when I make the call to intubate, but I will say that that this does take like an hour, you know, this is a long time that you're kind of at this patient's bedside. So, um, because the medications, the Capra and the Fosminatone are going to run over 20 minutes. So it is something that is, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to pull the trigger on intubation immediately. You can wait till giving those two doses, and then load them twice. But the minute I'm asking for that second loading dose, I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and pull the RSI kit. Let's pull the Versa drip. Let's get respiratory involved with the plan. You know, Maybe the phosphonatoin will stop it, but if it doesn't, I'm intubating that child pretty much immediately after the phosphonatoin finishes.
1: Yeah. I think that's completely reasonable along with um, having in mind that as soon as the Seizure stop. You can and you put them on a Versed drip. Usually in the ICU, they'll come up on the Versed drip, may or may not be intubated. And if they are intubated, they get extubated pretty quickly because we have their seizures under control, which is a great thing for us to do. Um, I don't think that protecting their airway through intubation is a bad idea. In fact, I think it's a good idea, especially since they've been in status, because it's really important for us to stop those seizures and. A lot of the times when they do need Versed drips, they can lose their airway while being on a Versed drip. That being said, in our older patients, I will put them on a Versed drip and not intubate them. So the younger kids, definitely one year or less, I will absolutely intubate these kids for any kind of sedation or or the need for a Versed drip to stop their seizures because the their brain is more sensitive to these seizures. So the longer that the seizures go on, the more damage that can be done to the brain pretty quickly. Yeah, well, they're more likely to have atelectasis and DSAT and need airway protection because a lot of their respiratory mechanics are different in in a patient one year of life or less.
0: Now, one of the things we didn't talk about um as far as loading medications is, you know, one exception to when I might not use Keppra first, I may use phenobarbital is in the neonate. Um, just because there are more studies using that, you know, especially in the NICU and that's the type of long-term medication these kids frequently go home on. Um, so that may be my exception. If I do have a neonate who's in status, I may start with phenobarbital, um, and then, you know, move to Keppra, um, as a little bit of a different strategy just with that specific age group.
1: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. You're right. A lot of the um, premature babies use uh, the premature babies get phenobarbital a lot more. We talked about when we're going to intubate.
0: I would say, you know, for my colleagues who are in a outside emergency department, um, if they're starting these kids on VersaDrips, I would intubate them probably prior to transport. Um, you know, it's a little bit different if your PICU is right upstairs, and they're going to be monitored, and you're going to be able to intubate them if they, you know, decompensate quickly. But during transport, it's difficult to get an airway, even if they're getting pediatric transport, it can still be a challenge. Um, So if I am transporting this child, I would have a much lower threshold to intubate prior to uh, transport.
1: I definitely agree with that. I think that That's the safest thing for the child to intubate them prior to transport, because if they start having seizures again and need more benzos or more um, phosphonatoid or any other anti-epileptic, they're going to be at higher risk of being unable to protect their airway because they're so sedated. So I think that is a very good choice to intubate these kids prior to transport. When we talked about placing them on a Versa drip,
0: and I would, as you're calling for your intubation supplies, I would immediately call for the Versa drip because it'll be very, very easy to use, you know, Atomidate and Rock or Ketamine and Rock, and the kid's not moving anymore, and you kind of forget that they're seizing, um, and you forget to start that Versa drip pretty quickly. Um, so I try to routinely, as part of my setup for intubation, have what sedative I'm going to be using. Um, at the bedside, so that can be started pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea as well. I, there is a lot of controversy around ketamine. Um, initially, controversy with ketamine related to increased ICP and when kids are seizing, are their intracranial pressures increased? But past few years, that thought process has really gone away. Um, however, I don't know if the medico legal aspect of that has actually caught up yet. So um, that's kind of still a controversy. However, c- ketamine has been studied recently in the for the indication of refractory status epilepticus, and they're seeing good results with ketamine stopping seizures when they're in refractory status epilepticus. So that is to be determined, but it's an interesting addition to the ketamine controversy.
0: Um, Now, would you ever start them on a Propofol drip instead of a Versa drip or in addition to?
1: Yeah, I think Propofol is a great choice, especially in the older kids, because they are able to protect their airways a little bit better because their airways are larger and they have more chest wall strength to keep their um, respiratory mechanics alive and uh, alive and well. Um, I think propofol really stops seizures. Well, I think that it's harder for the, the infants and the younger pediatric patients because they get more hypotensive. So you just have to be aware of that. And then of course, you know,
0: you're obviously admitting this patient to the ICU. So it's not always, you know, it's not necessary in the ER to go ahead and put them on an EEG, but certainly letting your colleagues know that that's why they're coming in so that they can have the EEG ready, EEG monitoring when they know the seizures end and can carry on with their care.
1: The one physiologic thing that's interesting is that a lot of, a lot of new status epileptic protocols are going from giving a benzo one time at one to two times to just giving a benzo one time because there have been a lot of molecular studies that show that the receptors that benzos target, which are the GABA receptors, downregulate in status epilepticus. So using phospheny early or kepra early is probably a good thought. Yeah, and as far as my
0: evaluation in these kids, you know, if a kid has known epilepsy You know, I might check some electrolytes, make sure their sodium's okay, glucose is okay, um, and their levels, you know, if they're on a medication that we can get a level back. But I don't know that I'm chasing too many other things, um, if it's a kid that has known seizures.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think getting a full electrolyte panel and getting a glucose, a point-of-care glucose, is really important in those kids. And... Obviously, checking a sodium is really important as well in those kids. Um, but in a in a kid that doesn't have epilepsy, then there's a lot of there are a lot of reasons that this kid could be in status epilepticus, and that's definitely part of the job and finding out why this kid is in status epilepticus in the first place. Yeah, I would agree. If this is a first time
0: presentation, um, and certainly you know if it's a neonate, um, I'm getting. CBC, CMP, looking for infection with urine, x-ray, they're probably all getting a head CT because unfortunately we have to think about non-accidental trauma, Mm -hmm. um, brain tumors um, as a cause of this, you know, and then if it's a neonate, 100% getting an LP if they're stable. And then if they have fever and they're in status, probably getting an LP as well. The the benefit is, you know, if you're, you can wait till they're intubated, get the get the LP and it makes it a little bit more pleasant experience because you want (laughs) to stabilize the seizures first
1: yes definitely agree with all of that